Welcome back to the flip side. Ben and Clavio. <laughs> Brian Moritz, Galen Clavio's cracking voice. All of that <laughs> going on at once here in uh, in podcast land. Brian, I uh, I'm, I'm happy to tell you that the amount of time left before the presidential election is getting less and less every time we do one of these things. I almost <laughs> feel like, I, I feel like, I don't know what we're, you know, like how, how great we're probably going to feel on the night of the seventh, because it'll be like, by that point, we won't have to worry about it again, basically. Yeah. Right. This is like, you know, we've been using sports analogies to, uh, to kind of help us understand the, the, the dumpster fire of a race. And this, so this is kind of like the, it's a ten point game, and it's the it's like the the under four ti- timeout happened with like two minutes ago, and it's like a twelve point game, and like nobody's like really trying to come back anymore, and it's just kind of like make sure nobody gets hurt. Um, like the clean shirts are going to be coming in any minute now off of the bench. The walk ons are going to try to hit their three. Um, but yeah, it's, um, you know, we started this, I remember very vividly, our episode one, S1E1, the pilot was the night of the Iowa caucus. And so yes. here, and so here we are now only two weeks away from, uh, from Trump not conceding when he gets beaten. So that will, that's good. That's going to keep this going because we just don't want to end cold Turkey. So I think we need to keep the story going a little bit longer. Um, just, you know, to ease us all to kind of like. Um, what, what is a taper out of it? I think, you know, it's gotten me, I was thinking about this, you know, one of, we talked about the NFL last couple of weeks. And one of the things that we didn't mention when we discussed the NFL's issues with ratings is that, um, you know, maybe they, maybe there's just too many games on in prime time. You know, we've got right. three nights, three nights worth of primetime games on in, in a, in a seven night week. That might be a bit much. But it got me thinking, maybe with the election, maybe we haven't reached saturation yet. And maybe maybe we just need to run an election constantly. Like have <laughs> have like the the president is constantly being elected. And then maybe everybody will just kind of calm down. Because right now I feel like all of this invective and all of this craziness is being hurled at the country simply because it's a once every four years thing. So it's, so it like builds up and builds up for a couple of years and then come, it's yeah. like, yeah, okay. So why don't we just, if we're constantly in an election cycle, then it becomes less important that we're in an election cycle and everything goes back to somewhat normal. I don't know. I, cause I, I kind of feel like the one story that the, the story that's going to make me roll my eyes most on November 9th is going to be, you know who are the candidates for two, who are the Republican front runners for 2020? And because you know Politico is going to have that first thing in the morning, um, and so it just so I think I kind of feel like we're almost in it. But I don't know. Like you know, again, I I, I don't I try not to read too much of my own feelings and my own feed into generalizable gen, into generalizable. But oh, I'm interested to see how you feel this way because it kind of feels like after the debate last week. And nothing's really changed, and it, it just kind of seems like everyone's just kind of playing out the string at this point. Like it, it seems like we built up to the three debates, and it was the big one, the third one, and nothing changed. And there was the nasty woman, and the, he's not going to accept if they lose. And it just kind of like that was kind of like the last chance to kind of have a little bit of a Trump comeback, and it's not going to happen. And so now it's just kind of like, oh great, we got to sit around for another two weeks. Like, I think it would have been better if we could have just called the election. Like, let's move it up two weeks and have it now instead of just kind of wasting everyone's time. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it's interesting because I I tend to agree with you. I mean, because I've been reading the polls and it, it certainly doesn't look like Trump's got a chance. And, and it certainly doesn't look like Hillary. I mean, I think if I, if I saw the model on 538 um, correctly – like there's like a forty some percent chance that Hillary wins in a landslide, and right. there's only like a thirteen percent chance that Trump even wins a, like a, a split election. Right, basically. right. And they have a whole piece there today about that their model is more. The headline is our model is more bullish than others yeah. on Trump. So they're but, like they're but, like the best odds for Trump right there. But but by the same token, um, you know there are some polls out there that are that the Trump people are still pointing to. Mm-hmm. That 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 have Trump tied or or within a point, and so it's not completely over. Like there isn't a good sports analogy. Like one of the interesting, I mean, the, the only real sports analogy is is Olympic figure skating. Okay, because you could watch a great routine, 
and you would think those people are, are going to win, no question. And then you could watch another routine, and it isn't as good. Okay. And then you wait, and you see the judging on the routine that you thought was inferior, and all of a sudden you're like, holy shit, what happened? Right. Because suddenly they're in the lead. That's the only sports metaphor that like easily sits within what – like most, I mean, you and I are looking at this like it's a basketball game, right. and you know it's like a fourteen, fifteen point lead with about two minutes to go, and yet the, the you know many of the Trump supporters are looking at it like it's figure skating, which is really if you think <laughs> about the, the dichotomy there or gymnastics. Like right, it's a, that's an interesting dichotomy that we've got going, given the the uh, the kind of red bloodedness of of certain segments of that population. That, that that's fantastic. That's a fantastic mental image right there. That's just but, great. Um, so I guess it just depends on how many French judges we have in this process. You know, I mean, that's 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 a concern of mine. Well, well you know, the, the the French are noted supporters of of all things Trump. So yes. you know, and, and the okay, Repub- okay. and the Republicans have loved French. You know, you know, uh, the whole, you how know. Many, how many Russian judges do? We oh, have? There you that's go. The- there you go. I was going to make a freedom a freedom fries joke for the Republicans, and you know, they're still bitter. The French judge is still going to hold that against them. But yeah, the Russian judge is where you're going to go there. So, um, so I know you're feeling under the weather. So, is your beverage choice reflect that tonight? My beverage choice is a lemon ginger tea. Ooh, that's- it's actually not bad. All right. Uh, do you, is there a particular brand you want to give out there so we can put it for the notes for because uh, I'm because I have my uh, my Empire White Afro same one I had last week I'm finishing off that pack from nice. the Empire Brewing Company up here in Syracuse so this is actually uh, Celestial Seasonings ah very nice yes there's a they make a very good peppermint tea and a very good lemon ginger tea excellent so uh, yeah so yes if you couldn't tell and uh, he, he actually sounded pretty pretty well all things considered Galen's under the weather today but uh, we are going to power. We're gonna power through. Um, he plays I'm hurt. A, I'm a professional. Folks. Yeah, he, he is a professional podcaster. Um, and so we, uh, so so he's, so we're gonna power through. We can probably do a little bit of follow up on our NFL discussion from last week. Cause I saw you saw po- posted something about the Colts ratings. Um, and we can kind of uh, think of I think think about last night's games in in the greater context of it. And we had a couple topics. One from a listener and. Uh, uh, one of our general food, awesome food topics, and then uh, uh, another one I came up with over the weekend as I spent about ten hours in the car going to and from a Harry Potter fan festival. Um, oh boy! So um, it was a lot of fun. Harry Potter. Um, Galen, just so you know, it's a story about a twelve-year-old boy in England discovers he's a wizard, uh, goes to school, oh. learns some things about it. It's quite well known. It's been in the papers. Um, so anyway, um, a, 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 a reminder: if you guys have topics for us throughout the week. Uh, we record usually every Monday night, but you can always hit us up at Flipside Pod, either at Flipside Pod or with that hashtag with a suggested topic. Uh, we will give uh, thirty at least one minute on any topic that you give. Uh, so the NFL ratings they continue to suck, um, and last night's games did probably yesterday's games probably did not do much to help the cause, especially the uh, the robust six six overtime tie um, of the Sunday night game, which. Uh, which had two chips, twenty something yard field goals missed in the couple in the last couple of minutes, which led to the tweet of the night, which is Nate Cohen, who's uh, the upshot uh, reporter for the uh, New York Times. He kind of took over their Nate Silver. He's the new Nate Silver at the Times, right. and uh, they, their their model has Clinton, I think, at a ninety two ninety three percent chance of winning. And the, the the standard and what I like that he does, he always has a like real world or sports analogy uh, to kind of show how common that is. And his, and his for a 93% uh, confidence interval is this is how often uh, Trump's chances of winning are how often an NFL kicker will miss a sub 30 yard field goal. And then it happened twice last night, which um, must mean Trump's going to win. Must Trump's and it happened twice. It happened twice, so Trump's going to win in a landslide. That's what that yeah. means. And apparently, Trump had there. Are more people are dressing up as Trump than Hillary for Halloween, according to Bill Mitchell. And those two things combined, Trump landslide. Um, but no, you posted an. You know, I had a one one follow up thought on our NFL ratings discussion, and you posted something on Facebook. I don't know if you wanted to follow up on it briefly, but and it, and this feels weird to admit it, but I agreed with Mike something Mike Wilbon said on PTI last week when they were just World. no kidding. Um, when I was talking when they they were talking about NFL ratings, and I just think it's an it's an interesting idea to think about is ratings are down. But you know, we we hinted at this last week with with talking about how all ratings for everything are down, and 
I wonder, and Wilbon had the point, and I think it's an interesting one, is overall consumption and interest in the NFL down in terms of fantasy playing, you know, social media watching, article, however, kind of combined metrics on it, however you want to measure it. And, you know, is that overall down or is it just TV ratings, which kind of measure a specific thing from a specific audience on it? And not that the NFL is not having a rough year, uh, both in terms of the product and a bunch of off-field stuff. But I found that just an interesting way to think about it, in that if we only measure interest by TV ratings, I don't know if that, that that's a very uh, 20th century model of, man- uh, of measuring interest, and I don't know how accurate that is for our current landscape. Oh, boy. I have to go in on this, don't I? Go um, for it. Here's the problem. That sounds like such a Wilbon thing to say. Um, <laughs> You know why we measure things by television ratings above all else? Because that's how the the leagues and, and, and networks make their money off of it. That's correct. So it really doesn't matter how many people are still reading about the NFL in, in newspapers or playing fantasy well, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like what what it really doesn't. Like what matters is can the league generate the revenues that the the network partners are requiring in order to justify the huge fees that they're paying the league. Right. Okay. Um, and and, and I, will, I will willingly concede that point, but I, I, I feel like when we talk about we generally, not just the two of us, but we in general, are talking about the NFL's diminished ratings, we're not – I don't think most people are looking at it as this is going to hurt the next TV the, – the TV deal and, and what this means financially for the league and blah, blah, blah. I think it is being used most often as a proxy for less people are caring about the NFL, less people are interested in the NFL. And I don't doubt that, and I don't doubt that that's a viable measure, but like I said, I just thought that was, uh, uh, you know, how are, you know, yes, that's not to say the ratings are not important, but it's the, if we're, if we're judging NFL interest down because TV ratings are down, I don't know if that's a complete picture of it. So. Well, I do. I will say this. I think it's complete enough. I, I really do think that there's less interest now in the NFL than there was even four or five years ago. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I will say this. I think that the on-field product has been slowly declining, and I think it's actually declined very quickly the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. But I do think it's been slowly declining for a while now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I, I struggle to pinpoint an exact moment where it became obvious to me, but I can tell you that. Um, the games offensively are a lot more disjointed, um, yes. and we and we've talked about that before. We talked about you know why why does the NFL make it so hard to have good quarterbacks? Right. You know it, it's it's um, it's an artifact of too much emphasis being placed on one area of the game and the defense being able to do too many things uh, to stop other parts of the offense, so only certain guys can actually get the job done, but. Look, I, I think between the concussion situation, uh, just the overall physical wear and tear, I mean, that's turned a lot of people off to the league that, that maybe were like all in, even if they're only 60 or 70% in now. Mm-hmm. That's a big difference in terms of like going from I'm absolutely going to watch this game to I'll think about watching this game. Right. Um, and And look, I mean – I don't think people are dumb. I think I think people people of our age who have watched the league over the course of time are are registering in our heads that you know what this isn't as good as it used to be. Just right. like just like you know the NBA in the in the late '90s and and you know most of the 2000s was an inferior product to what most of us grew up with in the '80s and very early '90s. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, like people notice these things, and I think the the reason we talk about it with the NFL is that. It seemed like the NFL was going to be able to avoid the same pitfalls that all of the other leagues have had to deal with in terms of the popularity of their product, where it sits within the cultural landscape, stuff like that. Right. And and what I think we're seeing, particularly this year, with the with the poor ratings and and the, you know just the kind of somewhat lessening of of attention, is that it's not immune. Uh, they're still in the best shape of all of the leagues, but right. but I, I do think that they are 
very much susceptible to the same sorts of market issues that have plagued some of their their competitors. Right. It's just it, it's almost kind of like you know you start to see the 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 cracks in the wall and you start to see the uh, it's starting to see the fall of the Roman Empire in a way. Like it it, it was great. It, it it was it was at the top and then all and then the decline starts slowly. And I think that this is kind of like for a lot of people, this is probably like the first. I mean, it probably is definitely the first quantitative data point that we can see on the tail end. Like, I don't necessarily think that any kind of decline in ratings or interest or whatever is necessarily um, necessarily because of this year. Like, it, 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 there wasn't we everyone wasn't all in for week one, and then it's week seven, and like, Ugh. I think that it's been kind of building over a few years for all the things you've mentioned the the concussion the concussion story, the general lack of quality and the lack of you know new star power in the game you know the 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 ray rice the ray rice story uh the adrian peterson story and then all the all of the domestic violence issues going on uh with, with players and the league's inability to kind of handle that in in a good way and i and and i you know i don't i don't necessarily think you know i think it's always interesting for me how much we in we media people, we you know observers, not just media, but we're the ones who have a voice. T- seem to look always be on the lookout for the smoking gun. Like this is the thing that did it for the NFL, or this is the thing that caused it. And I and, and I always wonder how I often wonder how often there really is a smoking gun or a one thing, or if it's just kind of like a general wear, general wear, and then all of a sudden it's not what it was and there's not you know there might be one thing that pushes it over the top but that's a relatively small thing compared to everything else yeah i mean look it's it's everything it's mm-hmm. like like anybody trying and i was trying to point this out the thing i posted was it was an article that i i uh, i got interviewed for mm-hmm. and what i was trying to point out is like the, the, you can't point to any one thing and say this is why the NFL is less popular. And even in the in the local markets, you'll find that the individual teams themselves are still pretty popular on TV. But but what's not popular or as popular is the NFL as a standalone entertainment product in prime time. Right. And and that's like that's been. And look, I mean, last night's game was a great example. It was a it was a dull game. Mm-hmm. I mean, don't give me the oh, defensive games are exciting. They're defensive, you know, there's like. Baseball was the one game yeah. where defensive games are exciting. I, I, I'll offer you hockey. Like actually, hockey. I, you know, I, I knew you were going to say that, and I disagree. I mean, okay. I, I, I find there's a little bit of tension in hockey, but unless it's a playoff hockey okay. game, playoff hockey. Yeah, you're right. I can. I mean, I, I'll, I'll give you that. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, just a regular season, like you know, zero zero tie that goes to overtime in hockey is pretty pretty bad. That's true. Um, you know, um, but the. You know the NFL is, you know, what's the old the old saying? Like it's the it's the worst of American excess. It's is violence punctuated by committee meetings. <laughs> but but it's even worse now because it's it's violence punctuated by committee meetings that are and the, and the game itself is dictated by a rule book that nobody seems to understand. Right. You know, I mean, you know, um, you know, golf and 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 baseball like they have some pretty black and white interpretations of the rules. And there's all of these shades of gray in football that just end up making the game confusing for people. Right. And, and I, you know, and, and I think that just wears people out after a right. while. And so that's, that's where I think you look at a game like last night and it's not just that it's boring. It's that it's, it's boring because of the ineptness of the teams. And that's, <laughs> that's not putting a good product on the field. And those are two of your, top 10 teams in the league and that's right. the best they can do in a primetime game that's a real problem yeah by the way this is a handsome picture of you in this article mm-hmm. <laughs> that is a handsome handsome headshot yeah. um i'm a I, handsome man I, 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 <laughs> wow we've gone off the rails here um but i do agree i, I mean and, and what also i think hurt the nfl is you know i i, I it's not so much that other sports you know are popular and there's like it's a zero sum game where like more people are in the into the NBA and so they can't be into the NFL. I don't view it like that. But if you look back at, at the year we had in sports, we had a fantastic and a couple of fantastic stories in the NBA. You had Golden State, their big run, 
to 73 and into the finals and then LeBron leading Cleveland to a title and, you know, Cleveland winning a title. And now in baseball, you've got the Cubs and the Indians in a World Series, which is just improbably awesome and so compelling. And football, I mean, it's still early. Yeah, it's still early. But what do you've got? I mean, what's what's compelling about the NFL other than the fact well, that it's the NFL comparatively, right. especially compared to these to these stories? And I, again, I don't think that that's necessarily it. But I think when you look at it in comparison, I you know I'm kind of excited to watch the World Series, and I haven't been able to say that in Christ 15, 20 years. Yeah. But now you know, and and, and you know. The Super Bowl, I remember we were talking about the Super Bowl earlier in the season. It was like, eh, there's two teams that I'm going to watch because there's a party, but that's it. So, you know, I don't know. I, well, don't know. I mean, ultimately, the NFL, they've gotten what they've wanted since the 90s, which is they've, they've, they've completely devalued the players right. in the overall equation. And, and I think what they're going to discover, I think they're discovering it this year already, is that when you run into years where you don't have a lot of good players or a lot of really recognizable star players having good seasons, mm-hmm. the product gets really dull real fast because right. uh, it's just not a good product. You know, I mean, the, the NBA, even though, you know, Michael Jordan was a, a singular, you know, superstar, the NBA of the 90s was more dull than the NBA of the 80s because the NBA of the 80s had all kinds of compelling characters in it. Right. Um, and the NBA of the 2000s really didn't. It's it suffered, uh, you know, along the same lines. But what we're seeing now in the NBA, you know, you've got LeBron, and you had, you know, you had the 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 Heatles, and you had the you know the building of this mega team at Golden State, and now you're adding Kevin Durant, who's an interesting piece to that. And you've got, you know, you you've you've got um, all of these compelling figures now around the league, and a league that's really doing a very good job of promoting them. And even right. in baseball, you know, I mean. You, you may not know everybody on the Cubs, or you know, and, and you, most people probably don't know anybody on the Indians. But you do know enough players on the Cubs because they've been standouts. Right. You, you've known players on the Dodgers because they've gotten national exposure, or the Red Sox. Right. That really does help. And, right. and you know, if if the game isn't great, you still want to have identifiable people that you can focus on as a fan. And and I just don't think the NFL is doing that. I mean, I'm watching this Houston Denver game. Like, I mean, my God. Who cares about any of the players in right. this game? I mean, and this and one of these teams won the Super Bowl last right. year. I mean, that's you know that's that's the amazing thing to me. It's like the core, the, the, you know, the, the Denver's, you know, Denver. I mean, you know, Peyton Manning retired. Yeah, you're going to have a new quarterback, right. but the rest of their players really haven't made a mark. Maybe Von Miller, and that's Maybe, about yeah. it. And then on you know, for, and you know, Houston lost the one player that everybody knew on their roster and everything right. else is just kind of a, a wash of, yeah. of, of guys that might be good football players, but they're not compelling in any way. Right. And yeah. So um, that actually kind of lends us to uh, gets us over to one of the topics that I came up with for the week. Uh, I think it's a fun topic to discuss and it came out of several conversations uh, my wife and I have had on our many road trips together. And the latest one this weekend is we were driving to and from Philadelphia um, and, we, and we were talking about, and I, I'm fascinated by the idea of, of fame. And so like the different levels of fame. So a little background before I get to the question and we can talk about it. So our favorite band, is, our family's favorite band, as I've mentioned here many times before, is the Avet Brothers. Seth Avet, one of the, one of the singers, one of the Avets. Um, he is married to Jennifer Carpenter, the actress who was on Dexter for a lot of years. And we were yeah. and we were talking about uh, about this and that whatever, and we 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 were we were saying how and we came to the to the realization that like in our world he's the star and he's the famous one, but when you think about it in general, she's the famous one of the two of them. And it, and, and like a band like the Avett Brothers is always really interesting to me because like they're full on like star headliner type band, you know, play. We'll, we'll, we'll play big venues to several, you know, the whole, the whole rigmarole of rock stars. And yet, like, you still have to kind of explain who they are. Like, like they're, they're on a, they're, they're, they were on a PBS show. And, uh, the, the woman who was hosting it, or is the, 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 like, centerpiece of the show kind of had to de- give a two sentence description of the Avet brothers. And I realized, like, they're famous, but you still have to kind of describe. Um, they're not so famous that everybody knows them, and so I, I, I'm just always intrigued by that. And it, it kind of comes back to one big question that we can kind of uh, dissemble how we want: Who is the most famous person in the world right now? 
the single most famous person, if you were like rank order, who's at the top? You're going to make me go first on uh, this? Uh, uh, okay, well, I'll throw some ideas out here. So um, I have two that, that instantly <laughs> pop in mind, and, and, and I, I think that says something, but we'll come back to it later. So the first two that, I can't, that, that pop into my mind are Obama and Oprah as the top okay. two. Um, the, the one that, 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 that's interesting to me, one that's interesting <laughs> me, to me to think about is the Pope. Um, because I wonder, what I always wonder, is the Pope famous or is it just, is the Pope like a standing, like, entry here? Like, whoever's Pope is going to be top three famous people in the world because they're the Pope. So, I don't know, I I don't know how, how reflected that is of Pope Francis himself or of the office of the papacy. So, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna go Obama and Oprah on my top two right now. So, to start the discussion. So, I think Obama is not a bad choice. Um, although, I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like Oprah, while popular in the U.S., certainly isn't as, as popular now as she was in her heyday. Sure. And, and and even then, I don't think that her reach really went that far beyond the Western world. Certainly okay. not that far beyond the U.S., which is my opinion. Okay. Um, I do think um, there are some some good choices that that are a little outside the mainstream. Um, I would say these people have to be alive first of all. Right. I think that's that's an important aspect of this. Sure. Um, I think who did I say earlier, Katie? Uh, I said Pope Francis. Oh, she said no. She did say Pope, Pope Francis. Francis. That's a, that's a very good uh, pick. I think. I think. I can, it's just. Yeah. I think it's just because of the sheer number of Catholics right. that are out there. Right. Um, I'll go a little off the board though. Okay. Um, I, I will say Lionel Messi. Okay. So Lionel Messi or Cristiano Ronaldo, okay. either of the two, this is the, you know, the both soccer stars. Um, they, they are both insanely popular in, in, you know, in Asia, as well as in Europe, as well as in South America. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, and, that's that you know may seem a little bit silly, but but I do think that it's important to keep in mind that um, these are guys that are seen on everybody's televisions in in countries across the world on a regular basis. In right. fact, you know Ronaldo has something like forty seven million Twitter followers, which there are people with more Twitter followers, but it is. Um, you know, for a sports star, that's a that's a pretty remarkable number. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say that he's got a bigger reach than most of the pop stars that are out there right now. Hmm. Um, you know, I, I I would say, you know, obviously in in the Western world, you know, Katy Perry and Justin Bieber and, and Rihanna and Taylor Swift are well known here. Right. I don't know how well known they are in say China or India or places oh. like that, but I I do think. That that you know Ronaldo or Messi would be would be best known in those spots. So I I, th- I think at this point I would I would probably I would probably go with Cristiano Ronaldo mm-hmm. as the most like the most famous person. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, with with Barack Obama being right there close to it, I just think that sports penetrates a lot of political borders that politics itself sometimes can't. Okay, um, and I guess it you know. <laughs> It's it's not just. Be, I guess the question is: is it just is it that we're aware of somebody, or that we have a feeling about somebody? That's that's a great. I don't know. That's a great great question. And so I had thought when I was thinking about when I was thinking about this question. Obviously, if you're going for if, if you're looking for a sports answer, it's got to be Ronaldo and maybe Messi, but got to be Ronaldo because it's got to be a soccer soccer star for the worldwide fame. You know, not beyond beyond the U.S. I mean, probably. Active athletes in the U.S. and probably LeBron is probably the only one who would, I think, even maybe approach maybe Brady, but I think LeBron, uh, because basketball has a bigger, bigger potential audience, bigger stretch on it. You know, my wife always raises raises a really interesting question when I bring up like people like Ronaldo or like sports famous people on that. And, you know, my wife is not a sports fan, so she could literally be sitting next to Christian, Cristiano Ronaldo upstairs right now watching Jane the Virgin. They might be, for all I know. But she wouldn't know. She would not know Cristiano Ronaldo from 
anybody. Um, and, and, and so she would, oh, she'll always argue. And this is, this is kind of compelling. Can somebody true, you know, how famous can somebody be if there are wide swaths of the, of the population who have no idea who this person is? Even in the U.S., I think there are a lot of people who wouldn't know what Ronaldo, wouldn't know, can't picture Cristiano Ronaldo. The other athlete kind of worldwide that I think might pass Ronaldo would be Usain Bolt. See, I don't think Bolt's the, here's the thing. I think, I think it's, uh, it's an interesting question, but I think you have to remember that every, every figure is going to have wide swaths of the world that aren't going to know who they are. Sure. So you almost have to focus on the idea of, okay, who doesn't, like, who's got the fewest wide swaths That's of good point. places yeah. and people. And right. so when I think about it, and you know, I mean, your, your wife's a very observant woman, I'm sure, but you know, there's, there's going to be, there's going to be people that she's not aware of that are still going to be very popular. And I think that, that a lot of it comes down to what's got the most global reach. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, ultimately there, there, I just think that from a celebrity standpoint, you have to have a platform that constantly puts you out in front of, of a bunch of different people. Mm-hmm. And there's not much today. Like, if, you know, if we're asking this question 20 years ago, maybe it's Michael Jackson. Right. Because Michael Jackson, because music was still a very consolidated thing back then. Mm-hmm. And, and you could have a global audience on a regular basis listening to your stuff. Right. That doesn't really exist now. And so what are the global platforms that truly exist? And the only one I can think of, honestly, is, is, is soccer. Right. Because that's, that it, it touches literally all of the continents. It touches almost all of the major population areas. And if you know soccer, you know who Cristiano Ronaldo is because you've watched him in a Champions League final or you've watched him in the World Cup. Right. You know, it, that, that, it, it's a good point. When I was thinking about music – um, I got a somewhat related question I want to throw out here after this. Um, but I actually would put someone like Paul McCartney, uh, probably at the highest, you know, somewhere in the top list of famous people worldwide. Um, one of the great stories I have and kind of, kind of connect with this related is, so my wife and I, this would have been three years ago now, three, yeah, three years ago. Uh, we saw Paul McCartney at Brooklyn. He played at the Barclays Center. And so we're there, we're in the upper, upper, we're like three rows from the top. And uh, we're waiting for the show to start, and it's like an hour or 15 minutes late. Now, okay, he's Paul McCartney, he can be late, whatever. All of a sudden, we see, so we're, we're, we're looking down at the stage from the upper deck, and we can see just like a parting of the sea of people, right? And we see people taking out their cameras and taking out their phones and taking pictures. And we start talking, we start, you know, my wife and I start trying to figure out, who is this big a deal that they're going to draw that kind of attention and pictures from people who can afford front row floor seats at a Paul McCartney show in New York City. Like these these are people who by their economic station aren't going to impress easily. So who's going to like get get them to freak out about it? And we go online and it was Bill Clinton and Paul Simon. They were backstage with McCartney and they came out together and they watched the show. And I and, and there's so many things I love about this. For one, I just I feel bad for Paul Simon because he's Paul Simon and he's the third most famous r- dude in that room right there. Um, but, you know, and I just love the idea of Clinton and uh, Bill Clinton and Paul McCartney in the room together. But it, may, it also gave me thinking, this is kind of uh, somewhat related to the famous question, not really, but I, I always find it fascinating. Is Paul McCartney the coolest, the coolest person in every room he walks into? Um, well, okay. That's a difficult question to answer because I think cool is kind of a changeable of course. metric. Right. Um, no, I don't think I, and, and I think actually the reason he's not is the same reason why I wouldn't rank him that highly in the popularity rankings because it's not popularity. It's fame. Well, or, or the, I'm sorry, the fame rankings, because I think when you're that old, I mean, Paul McCartney is 76. I think so. Yeah. 76. No, exactly. yeah. 74. 74. Okay. He's born in, he was born in 42. Okay. Um, like there are, there are lots of people, you know, who are 20, 22, 23, who really don't know who Paul McCartney is. Right. And cool is almost always a determining factor 
among um, within like it's defined within its own individual age demographic. So you could walk Paul McCartney into a room of people aged like 30 and above mm-hmm. and he would unquestionably be the coolest guy in the room. Right. You walk him into a room of people aged like 18 to 24. And even though objectively we could look at it and say, he's obviously the coolest person in the room. I don't think he would have necessarily the lock on it within the conceptualization of the people in that room. That's because a fair I don't, point, yeah. I don't think they know who he was. Right. And so, so that's, it's a tough one. It's a tough one, and it's very much a generational thing. Mm-hmm. And you know, I mean, it's it's what makes it an interesting conversation question, I guess. Yeah. So, um, uh, so uh, before we move on to our food questions, we'll kind of try to keep it tight today, so you can keep a voice for tomorrow. But uh, who's the most famous person you've met? See, I haven't met that many famous people. Uh, it's probably Sage Steele. No, Mark. I, I would have figured Mark Cuban. Oh, uh, you know, well, okay, okay. I guess it is. Well, you know, I mean, is Mark. I guess Mark Cuban is more famous than Sage Steele, but, yeah. but we see Sage Steele on TV a lot more than Mark Cuban. That's true, but but you know Mark Cuban also passes the I could my my in laws probably know who he is test. Fair or, point. So um, it's funny because I was thinking about this a long time ago, and the the, the most famous person I've probably met uh, from my sports reporter days would be Jerry West. Met yeah. him and interviewed him, but still he's you know a, a well, gener- and he's a generational and a very sports thing because I say that to my wife and I get a blank stare when I say I've met Jim Kelly. She yeah. knows who he is, so you know Jerry West did, un- uh, un- unquestionably where he ranks. But Jim Kelly, you know the the most famous entertainer I probably met was Charlie Daniels, and boy so, did he stink! Like uh, <laughs> like my, didn't smell good. Yes, yes, like oh, horrible, horrible, horrible. So I did. I, I have met. I've met Oscar Robertson. Nice. Um, and then, uh, and I've met Chubby Checker. That's awesomely random and phenomenal. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I met him in a hotel lobby in Nashville, Tennessee, in 1995, when I was like 14 years old. This story just keeps getting better and better. The more, I, the more layers I get to it. So yeah, yeah. It was. It was. Uh, it's, yeah. It was. It was just a very random sort of, of yeah. thing. But uh, yeah, I haven't met that many famous people. I've, I've met more than I guess I give myself credit for meeting. But right. uh, but you know, it's one of those deals where. One time, I Tracy Morgan was on a plane that I was boarding. Oh, nice! Um, but but yeah, not yeah. not as many, not as many, not not the uber famous as right. Yet. And and it's weird when you're you know when when like you have when you're in the media when you're a reporter and like did I meet Mario Lemieux? Well, I interviewed him in a locker room. I don't right. think that counts. That probably doesn't count. But um, so that's weird. So um. All right, so you let's do let's do uh, the the one question we got on Twitter. Then we'll close with yours because I think we can do the Twitter question relatively quickly. Again, as always, you can hit us up at Flipside Pod uh, with questions. Uh, this is from Rob Rexing, who's uh, given us questions before. What are the best and worst sauces for wings? Are those also the best and worst to pair with chicken nuggets? Okay, well, I made you go first on the last one, so I guess I'll take the lead on this one. Okay, so, I have strong feelings on this. So, uh, well, I bet you do, and this is this is where I kind of walk in dangerous territory. <laughs> but uh, I I would say I think the the best wing sauce is the traditional one, which I guess <laughs> would classify as medium. Yeah, uh, in, in a lot of places, it's the it's what's basically the. The combination of franks and margarine, yep. that, uh, or butter, or, or or butter as we do up here, but that's fair. I was I was told margarine was the original. Like the, I think original, yes, but either or. So yeah. Uh, now I, and I will, you know, that's a good that's a good standard sauce. It's not weak. It's not too spicy. So mm-hmm. it really it, it applies to a large number of people. It's like a good go to. Um, I will. I will always argue for a hot garlic sauce hmm, okay. on, a, on wings. I think that um, if it's done properly, hot garlic uh, encapsulates everything that you want in in a really tangy sauce. And, and, and as I get older, I mean, I have a very high spice tolerance. My wife will tell you that it's kind of insane. Okay. So so I can eat like the really ridiculously hot ones. But but what I really want is something that's very very flavorful, right? And and has some some spice to it without like being because I, I I one of the things I don't like about eating really spicy wings is that I I hate it when they overwhelm everything. Yes, 
Um, and so that's where the, 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 the spicy garlic or the hot garlic really really comes in handy for me. So those would be my my, my best ones. All right. I would say I would say I really don't like the medium sauce as a chicken nugget dipper. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, so and and so I would say actually the best chicken nugget or chicken strip uh, dipping sauce is, is almost certainly honey mustard. All right. Um, and then as far as the worst kind, I mean, is there really a terrible wing sauce? I I, I mean like. I- I, I I have one that I don't like more out of personal preference, but I don't necessarily think it's bad. I will um, say I, I will I will give one one that I can't stand, and it's a shame because it contains uh, two ingredients that I love. But I, I hate the Parmesan garlic huh. uh, wing sauce because to me it like it coats the wing in a weird kind of like crusty amalgamation of stuff that that doesn't go well with the taste of the chicken, particularly, okay, yeah. if, particularly if the chicken hasn't been over fried like you're supposed to. Right. Um, you end up with like a very, it's just not an appealing like flavor event for you at that point. All right. I, I, I've actually become not a, a huge, um, actually I like the garlic Parmesan more than you do, but it's got to be done well. Like it can, there, there's a real high risk, high reward where you could get that weird awful coating of like too much Parm or, um, uh, it gets too oily. Like there's, there has to be a pretty, pretty good balance. Um, so for best wing sauces, I mean, you're right. It's the traditional, I go back and forth between a mild and a medium depending on kind of mood. Um, but yeah, you don't want anything that that's so strong that it overpowers the chicken or overpowers kind of like the, the, the general flavor and the medium, you know, you can't go wrong with a good medium sauce. Um, Frank's and margarine, Frank's and butter is good. Um, the garlic parm is not bad. Garlic parm are not bad. Um, I actually don't mind buffalo sauce as a dipping, as a dipper for, uh, for nuggets or chicken tenders or that. Um, but, the, but so, okay, so backtrack. If you're, if you're going to have the chicken nuggets or chicken tenders and you're going to coat them before you serve them, like either, either served saucy or like served on a sub, then the buffalo medium sauce still works very well. But in terms of dipping, it, 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 it doesn't tend to go well. I do like the honey mustard. I tend, tend to be a, a blue cheese, a blue cheese guy with my wings. So I tend to like blue cheese with the nuggets or the, uh, or the chicken fingers as well. My worst for wings, and again, this is not, I don't know, this isn't necessarily bad, but I just don't, I, I, I'm always disappointed with barbecue wings. The, the wings are coated in sauce because they're, 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 they, they tend to get much too saucy. They tend to get much too sticky. Again, I think, you know, a, a bar, a, a barbecue sauce on a, on a little, on a small thing like a chicken wing, it can be very, overpowering and overwhelming both from a mess standpoint and from a flavor standpoint. I do think barbecue sauce is good for dipping, but on the wings, it's just, it's one of those things I think sounds like a good, a a fine idea, but in practice, I've never enjoyed it. Huh. And like I say, I love barbecue sauce and I love, love barbecue sauce on chicken, but on the wings, it's just, I don't feel like it's a very good, it's not a very user friendly combination. I don't think. Okay, so this is interesting because now I am I am somewhat unique in my um, in my wing approach because I do not use blue cheese or ranch. Okay, I just go straight with the sauce. Okay, um, I do think that um, a good like spicy barbecue does work with wings, but 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 the problem is I think if you're gonna do it like that, you almost have to bake the sauce on a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, you can't you can't do like like traditional buffalo wings. You make you, you fry the wings and then you roll them in the sauce right before you serve them. But you can't do that. But that 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 the, the coating the bar, the barbecue sauce with the wings of the barbecue sauce that's what gets you into in, into a mess into right, that right. situation. Yeah, um, but I you know so I, I think if you if you coat them and then you you flash bake them for like a minute or two or, or maybe even flash broil them, mm-hmm. um, you get a li- you get a little bit of a crust on the barbecue. Yeah. And that ends up making it a lot better. Um, I will say this, I, and I and I mentioned this a minute ago, but my biggest pet peeve with wings is simply that a lot of times they're not cooked well enough. Mm-hmm. This is like you can't. I, I hate juicy wings. Okay. Yes. I, I think wings need to have a really tough skin exterior, mm-hmm. like that's really crispy, and and the meat inside needs to be more almost on. I don't want to say I don't want to say dry necessarily, but but if I'm biting into a wing and it's like really juicy, it almost throws it off. Completely. All right, all right, yeah. Um, so 
that's it's the same thing with chicken tenders. Like right. you, you eat chicken tenders, like you kind of want the chicken tender to be a little on the dry side, like because if it's if it's right. overly juicy, it ends up just like if it doesn't feel like it's cooked. Right, exactly. Right, and that's the last thing you want when you're eating chicken. Right, you don't you don't want to eat chicken and think I don't know if this chicken is completely cooked. Like, right, that's, that's just a mood killer when yeah. it comes to chicken. <laughs> All right, that gets us to our to our last question, and this was your food related topic of the week, and it's a good one. So yes, so my question was very simple: What is the most underrated cut of meat? And this is across all types of meat, you know, mm-hmm. the beef, pork, fish, chicken, whatever. All right, um, but you know, what do we consider to be the most underrated, given how they are considered in the overall? cooking uh and consumption of meat pantheon all right that's a real that's it's a fantastic question um i actually hadn't given seafood much thought on this and now my brain's turning on on seafood (laughs) um but i so i have i have three uh, um i have three cuts that i tend to enjoy and i think kind of get a short shrift so i'm gonna go reverse order please uh number three is the ham steak very Mm -hmm. underrated um very good. It's a great alternative to a the, the kind of traditional spiral sliced ham that you'll have in an Easter dinner or something else. Like a nice, solidly thick uh, ham steak. Be very, very good. Um, number two, uh, and and I'm interested. You're probably gonna end the podcast when I say this, but I'm a, I'm a big fan of the strip steak. We had the we had it over we had it uh, over the weekend for my wife's birthday. And, um, again, just a very, uh, a well-marbled, well-cut, good, thick strip steak. Um, uh, it's very solid. It's going it, it, to, and, and cooked well, it, it's going to deliver. Like, I don't necessarily, I'm not going to claim it's great. It's not, I mean, we had the best cuts of, of steak, the conversation a few weeks ago. I'm not going to say on that, that, that it reaches that, but I do feel like it's kind of underrated for, for the value and, and, and for the meal you can get. So, but my number one, and this is getting popular, the foodies are taking it over, but I'm going to claim it because I don't think a lot of people know about it yet, know about how great it is, and that's pork belly at number one. Okay. Uh, pork belly, obviously, from wh- from where once we get bacon, but uh, uh, pork belly in and of itself before it's been cured and, and turned into bacon, incredibly great flavor, a lot of fat, you can fry it up and crisp it well. Um, makes a great, you can make a great sandwich out of it. You can make fantastic tacos out of it. Um, very, very, uh, surprisingly versatile in, in, in what you can do and fantastic flavor on it too. So I'm going to go pork belly with my, as my uh, most underrated cut of meat. Interesting. I don't know, man. I don't think it's hard to justify anything as underrated when Arby's has made a sandwich out of it. You know what? And I just realized I, I just, I just saw that this weekend and that does, that does really hurt my argument. Um, but I'm, uh, but I'm standing firm. I'm standing firm. You know, Arby's, if Arby's is going to be on my side on this, then I, then, then I will welcome Arby's onto my side of this argument. That's fair. That's fair. Um, it doesn't okay. make pork belly any less delicious that Arby's is involved. That's, that's, I, that's, I just don't think it's that underrated. Mm. It's making the move from underrated into kind of like the, the brisket cuts where now everyone's going to be doing stuff with it. But anyway, yeah, feel, please. Okay. So I, I found, I now feel compelled to give a, t- a top three okay. as well. Uh, so I will do my best, even though I only prepared one. <laughs> um, I, okay. So I would say my third most underrated meat is uh, is actually the cod fillet? Really? Because All right. so the, the cod fillet gets a bad rap because it it's been used in every terrible fast food sandwich. Right. Uh, you know, anytime McDonald's or you know whoever wants to have a fish sandwich, it's always cod. Right. But but cod is actually pretty versatile. It's a nice, like solid, flaky fish. Um, it cooks easily. It fries very well. Mm-hmm. It, it's very good in tacos. Yes. Um, and and I and I find that it holds flavor from seasonings uh, better than a lot of other fish, which oh. tend to get overwhelmed by them. Right. So so that would be my number three. Um, my number two. Um, hold on, I wrote this down while I, while you were talking. Um, my number two is actually um, lamb in general. 
Ooh, I think great, I, great pick. Yes, I think lamb, lamb chops, ground lamb. Like have a mm-hmm. have a have a lamb burger sometime. Yep. And you know, or do you know? I've I've used lamb in meatballs. Mm-hmm. It's it's just got such a unique flavor, and I don't know if it's underrated because people feel bad about eating it because it's baby sheep, basically. <laughs> um, but but it's got so, it's it's like the one young animal that I could justify killing. Um, <laughs> Like, like I eat, I eat veal, and I'm like, I don't understand what the big deal is. This isn't even that flavorful. Well, well, I, well, and and, and I can I can give you I, I can vouch to reveal uh, for lamb is having lived in Binghamton, New York for some for a lot of years. Binghamton is the home of the Speedy Sandwich. That's their claim to fame, and the original okay. Speedy was lamb, like okay. lamb marinate lamb marinated in. Uh, marinated lamb on uh, on white fresh white Italian bread is the original Speedy, and you know Speedies can be like over a lot of times they're overcooked and over over spiced chicken, but a lamb Speedy is a work of art. So I will I, I will that's a fantastic fantastic okay. pick. Uh, and then my number one most underrated cut of meat is the chicken thigh. Oh, that's not underrated. Are it's you terrible. kidding me? It's terrible. Are you ki- underrated? It's, it's delicious. Don't get me wrong, but underrated? It's underrated. You you you, I, you can walk in to any restaurant in America and start polling the diners, and you will find probably sixty to seventy percent of them will only eat white meat. They they don't they they're not interested in chicken thighs. They're it's probably the least popular of all of the chicken cuts it's certainly less popular than chicken breast which right. secretly kind of sucks right um it's certainly less popular than legs which is attached to the thigh right and and it's less popular than chicken wings um it's you know there are there are plenty of great chicken thigh recipes but if okay. you notice almost all of them are from other cultures mm-hmm. that you know they're, they're you know chinese food uses chicken thighs and um, Italian food uses chicken thighs, but the building blocks of you know what we would consider to be like traditional northeastern American cuisine, which is you know English and German, they don't really use chicken thighs hardly at all. And so there's a long-standing bias against the chicken thigh. Uh, and why know, do you in, think? And why do you think that is? Is it the white meat, dark meat thing? Well, I think so. I have a theory on this. I, I think that um, when a lot of kids. Their exposure to chicken is through breast meat um, because it's an uncomplex flavor. Mm-hmm. It's it's relatively easy to cook and it's uh, easy to put into other forms. Uh, you know, you can yeah. have it be you know you can have it be nuggets or strips or what have you. Um, you know, I, I also think that a lot of people. This is actually a similar problem that certain segments of the population have with pork. A lot of people are afraid of chicken thighs because they're worried that they're not going to cook them long enough and that they're going to die of, of, of you know, whatever the disease is that you get from eating raw chicken. Chickenosis. Um, is it chicken? I thought well, that, chickenosis that was, was pork. That was, that, that was pork, but I assume there's something similar and I don't know. Right. Whatever, whatever it happens to be with chicken, I think that the, the assumption is because remember, for a long time, you you know when you would cook a turkey or or a chicken, uh, you know it was advised that you had to get the meat temperature up to like a certain point, right? And and it always seemed like the thighs took a lot longer to get there than the breast did, which made the breast dry out, right? And then nobody had any patience for the chicken thighs. I also think if you've ever cut up a whole chicken, it's very hard to effectively cut the chicken thigh out. Like After, you can take right. the you can take the leg off, that's fine. Right. But cutting the thigh out, that's when you know you're dealing with an actual artist in the right. kitchen. So for all of those reasons, and for the fact that you you know, you can walk into any restaurant, any fast food restaurant in the country, and you can get a chicken sandwich and it'll be a chicken breast sandwich. Mm-hmm. But try to get something from the thigh and it won't be on the menu. That's where I think it's underrated. All right, I can I I guess I can see that. I guess, you know, reading enough about Enough cookbooks and enough people writing about cooking. I, I, I've been exposed to a lot of chicken thigh recipes and a lot of use of chicken thigh. Um, but yeah, I guess in terms of popularity, in terms of general use, 
um, the breast come the breast still comes comes out on top there. So here's a here's a completely unrelated question, but it popped in my head as you were talking. When you have car, when you roast a chicken or have like a rotisserie chicken from the from Costco or from the supermarket or whatever, what's your go to piece? What do you what do you go to first? <laughs> this is funny. So you know you know I I do we cook chicken on the grill whole, mm-hmm. or I'll slice it up. I'll, I'll buy a whole chicken, slice it up into its component parts, and grill it, mm-hmm. and then I'll bring it in. And I'll put the chicken out on the counter. Mm-hmm. And the way that it goes is this. My wife comes in and takes both the thighs and, okay. and walks away. <laughs> um, uh, so I don't ever get the thighs. Uh, I would, If I had my choice, I would take one thigh and one leg. All right, yep. And, and that would be what I would eat. And I might have a quarter of a breast. Okay. Uh, as it is, I end up with a half breast and a leg. Because I'm, I never get to the chicken thighs. Um, if I want chicken thighs, I have to basically cook a second chicken. <laughs> yeah, I'm more of, I, I, I'm definitely a, a drumstick, and as much of the thighs as I can. I'm not an artist, so as much of the thighs as I can cut without de- totally just destroying the chicken. Um, but that, that's usually what I go with first. Um, so, any other thoughts on uh, underrated cuts of meat? Well, you know, I, I, I think there, there are some. I, I would. Say, <laughs> A lot of this, I think, when I think of the ratedness, a lot of it comes down to what can per, what can a person go out and buy at a restaurant. Okay. And so that's what you know. That was really the genesis of my chicken thigh thought because mm-hmm. you just you know unless unless you're at a sit down restaurant, you're not going to get chicken thigh. Right. A, another one that fits into that category, and it's not underrated if you talk to like people that love food or people that love to cook, but pork shoulder. Yes. Is a very underrated cut of meat. Right. It's just it's which is funny because if you throw pulled pork on a menu, that's going to go crazy. But right, exactly. But you know, if I say, "Hey, I've got a, a you know, I've got a butt roast," people a don't know what that is, right? And b don't know what to do with it, right? Um, you know, and so and again, I think because most people are cave men and cave women in the kitchen, mm-hmm. they they you know they they think all meat cooks the same, right? Um, and and so. The idea of slow cooking or braising a pork shoulder is just something that's beyond most of them. I, I did find – when I was doing research on this, I found an interesting um, article on Thrillist okay. that I wanted to, to share some from. So they went and they surveyed a bunch of chefs okay. uh, at restaurants across the country, and they asked them their most overrated and most underrated meats. Okay. And so I just wanted to read a couple of these. So, Please. What? Please go ahead. Oh, okay. Sorry. Um, so John Besh from uh, from August and Dominica in uh, New Orleans. His most underrated meats were pork shoulder, lamb shoulder, and beef chuck, which okay. he was really arguing uh, like make a great stew, um, and 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 really made a point in general that the, the the cheaper cuts of pork and lamb end up being very very. Like they, they're really enhanced by a slow cooking process in a broth. Sure. His most overrated meat was filet mignon. I can I, I can see that. I, I I'm on record enjoying filet mignon, but I but I'm certainly not gonna. If anybody's gonna say it's overrated, I'm not gonna argue with that. It I, is. I mean, for the, I think we've talked know, about that meat, before. Yeah, for the cost and we, yeah. Yeah, I mean the beef filet in general, it just. It doesn't have a lot of flavor to it. Uh, mm-hmm. It's mostly there because of its tenderness. Uh, right. Some other underrated meats that were thrown out there are rabbit. Yes. Um, it was thrown out, and we we, we haven't had much rabbit here, unfortunately. But from, mm-hmm. from everything I've heard, rabbit is excellent. Um, somebody uh, actually argues that brisket is overrated. Really? Uh, they, their argument is that short ribs are far superior to barbecue. Hmm. And... And that the point of the brisket is brilliant, but the flat is nothing special. And on, and on that, I wholeheartedly agree. Sure, okay. Uh, I, I, the brisket flat is pretty dull. Um, yep. Another underrated meat, rump steak. Yep, I can see that. Uh, and then, um, let's see, overrated meat, grass-fed beef. Yeah, um, ne- I've never had I, – I, I've never – or the, the couple times I've had it, I haven't noticed a difference. Or if I did, I feel like it's all psychosomatic, and I'm just imagining that it's different. But yeah, yeah, some of it, some of it's fine, but I haven't noticed a tremendous difference mm-hmm. in in the, the quality of of, uh, of one versus the other. 
uh, of, of grain fed versus grass fed. I think, I think it is more of a mindset thing. It's like, right. it's like, you know, well, any one of a number of things. Um, let's see. And then the last one that I'll mention here, a couple of other underrated cuts, Guinea hen. Okay. I've never had before. Nope. Uh, and, um, the, uh, and pork country ribs. Yes. I, th- I, 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 I used those a few weeks ago in something and it, it was fantastic. Really, really yeah, good. Absolutely. Yeah. And when, when one last one is the tri-tip, which I actually, yeah. I, I, I've used, I've done that once and the tri-tip is very good. So there's some ideas for you folks. Out there. All right. That, that, ar- that, that article is going to be in show notes. Show notes as always are at sportsmediaguy.com. Uh, click on the flip side tab, and this is season uh, season three, episode five. This is actually episode total number thirty four. Um, I did the count yes. today, and this is number thirty four in all. And uh, I believe uh, anything else? Any 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 other ways we can help help people today? I think we've done enough. I think we have. Um, and uh, we oh, I hope you get better, and uh, that the cold is short lasting, and that I've heard your wife coughing in the background, so I hope she's feeling better soon too. Um, assuming she's got similar something similar um yeah that's yes it's 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 been a been a rough health month here in the clavio household uh, but we'll, we'll we shall overcome excellent excellent well good health to you all and uh this was good good conversation as always yes enjoyed it and i hope you folks enjoyed listening and uh we will be back next week we will catch you on the flip side so long everybody see it